And hello from Boise, Idaho. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education politics and education policy. I'm Clark Corbin. Kevin Richard, my normal co-host, is out of town overseas this week, but I'm joined by a very special guest that I'm excited to have uh, on the show this week. J.J. Saldana uh, is back on the podcast this week, so thank you so much uh, for joining us, J.J. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so I'm glad to be here. Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. Um, we're going to get to a couple of things that we want to talk about here in just a minute, but I want to go through kind of some of this week's top education stories. I'm kind of getting geared back up. I took a little time off earlier this summer and went hiking in Nepal. I went to the Mount Everest base camp and um, it was quite a trip, almost 85 miles of hiking, but it went very, very well. We reached our objective of getting to just the base of Everest. We didn't climb the mountain or anything like that, but had a heck of a time and saw two of the four highest mountains in the world. And so now I'm slowly getting back into uh, the education world here. Uh, but it's a busy summer. And I guess one of our top stories this week, JJ, you may have seen, but there's a couple of openings on the State Board of Education. Uh, two longtime members um, participated in their final meeting this week. Richard Westerberg, who served on the board for more than 12 years, and Don Saltman, who's been on for a decade. They had their final meeting on Thursday. I didn't make it out there. It was up at North Idaho College, but I watched the live stream. One of the things I, you know, Richard Westerberg uh, was the chair of former Governor Butch Otter's task force in 2013 that really came up with 20 recommendations that kind of set the tone, at least as far as the legislature is concerned, set the tone for education policy development over the last five years. The career ladder was part of that. Um, so Richard is someone that folks will remember from that previous task force. And then the thing that caught my eye that really jumped out at me about Don Saltman is that the executive director of the state board, Matt Freeman, pointed out that he only missed one meeting in 10 years of service on the state board. And they traditionally meet monthly, but during the legislative session, they might meet every couple weeks with these special meetings. And so that was really, I mean, hats off to him. In, in 10 years, missing just one meeting uh, really says a lot about public service and, and how he views public service. But so anyways, their final meeting was Thursday. They're going to step down when their terms uh, when their terms expire at the end of this month. And so Governor Brad Little right now uh, is going through applications to replace them. There were 38 different people uh, who applied by Monday's deadline uh, to serve on the state board. Some of the names might be familiar, JJ, to you and to some of our listeners. Cindy Wilson, uh, the Democratic Superintendent of Public Instruction candidate from last year, put her name in there. Uh, John Getty, former state senator who was Senate Education Committee chair, um, put his name in there. And just a bunch of different folks from the business world, the political world, uh, former Idaho Supreme Court Justice uh, Chaz McDevitt <laughs> put his name in there, uh, some school board members, Lisa Sherrick, former superintendent of the Jefferson County School District. So some of those members, some of those applicants were pretty familiar and what we expect to happen is uh, Governor Little will take a, a little bit of time, sort through those applications, and then he's going to appoint two people to the state board. They're going to be appointed for five years, and then that's subject to confirmation by the Idaho Senate once the legislative session kicks off in January 2020. So we expect this summer, probably sooner rather than later, uh, two new members of the state board of education to be appointed in 
And those will be big appointments. Uh, the state board really takes the lead in setting policy throughout the state of Idaho, throughout the K-12 system, certainly, but also especially at the higher ed yeah, level. higher ed, I think, is where you hear about them the most. Yeah, they do a lot of work uh, with higher ed and talking about the go-on goal, some of Idaho's big education goals. So that was one of our big stories for the week. If you want to head over to the homepage, idahoednews.org. I had coverage on Thursday um, from Westerberg and Saltman's final meeting. And then on Tuesday morning, I published the list of the 38 applicants. So if you want to go through that list, see who all is interested in serving on the state board, see if there's any folks from your community or folks that you might recognize, that article is there too at the homepage. One other story I wanted to get to this week, uh, our reporter Sammy Edge covered the Professional Standards Commission meeting on Thursday in Boise while I was watching the state board. And the Professional Standards Commission, they do a number of different things, but one thing that they do is kind of regulate education, educator certification in the state of Idaho. And they took action on Thursday to suspend the administrator's certificate of a former Shelley principal named Eric Lords. Eric had been Eric had been in the news earlier this summer. Uh, our Eastern Idaho reporter Devin Bodkin had followed uh, some kind of financial concerns out of the Shelley School District, and it turned out that we obtained some records that showed that Eric had been. Uh, accused of using state funds uh, for his own private purposes, some $3,700 in personal purchases that he made from school district money. The one thing that jumped out at me about that um, was he put school district money towards a family ski pass uh, for him and his family. Obviously, that broke a number of you know, laws and rules. It, 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 It conflicted with the Educator's Code of Ethics. And so on Thursday, the Professional Standards Commission took action to suspend his administrator's certificate for two years. He also holds a teaching certificate, and there was some discussion uh, about that, but they didn't take any action against the teaching certificate. They did suspend his administrator's certificate, and he had also stepped down from his role as a principal um, at at Shelley High School. So if you wanted to find out a little bit more about that or any of our other top stories from this week, head over to idahoednews.org, and you can get all caught up there. Um, But JJ, uh, back on the podcast this week, thanks so much for joining us. And just kind of wanted to... just kind of wanted to introduce you a little bit, but I followed your work a little bit with the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs. But you've really followed education, uh, especially as it relates to migrant students and English language learners closely. But tell us just a little bit about some of the things that you're involved with. I know you'd mentioned before we started uh, talking on Mike that there's a number of different education committees and, yeah. and appointments and different things that you're watching. Um, but tell me just a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to and kind of the areas that you watch in education. And then we have some specific topics we want to get into. So, like you said, I'm with the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs. And our number one priority has been for a long time and will continue to be education. And so we look at everything education when it comes to our population. And with that, I've been appointed to several boards over at the Idaho Department of Education, um, specifically like the Migrant Education Advisory Committee, the English Language Learners Advisory Committee, the Parent... Uh, the PAC, the superintendent's PAC. I represent the Hispanic community there. And then with assessments, um, in the assessments, we look over tests. And that's a dueling committee to be on because you have to look at everything from 
what parents are wanting on the test, what educators are wanting on the test, what the department wants on the test, what the state board wants on the test, and trying to make a go out and like say, okay, how do we meet everybody's needs on that? Um, and then with us, we want to make sure that everything is culturally relevant when they're taking the test as well. So um, that kind of keeps me busy with um, a lot of my time. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I wanted to talk about something that you're kind of spending some time with this summer. You're gearing up for a number of for the Idaho Hispanic Youth Leadership Summit. You're kind of gearing up uh, for that, but tell me a little bit about the plans that are coming together, and there'll also be some scholarship opportunities right. associated with this, right? Right, yeah, so this is our 13th year doing this summit, um, and last year we actually expanded it to two summits. Um, we um, now are doing one in Boise and one in Twin Falls at Boise State and then at College of Southern Idaho. The scholarship uh, came to us, started out with College of Idaho coming up to us and saying, hey, can we come and like interview students and offer scholarships at the event? And so we said, well, if you come in, we have to open it all to all higher ed institutions. And so they've all come on board with the exception of BYU-Idaho and North Idaho College. Okay. So every other Idaho institution's on board. They come in that morning and they interview seniors this, um, in the morning. And then by 2 o'clock that afternoon, they have a list of who's going to get the scholarship. Wow. And so last year, between the two um, summits, we gave out over $500,000 in scholarships. And I say we, but it was the institutions that gave out the scholarships. Um, so it's pretty amazing to see all these kids just light up when they see that they've won some scholarships and then we keep in touch with the colleges to find out okay which students ended up on campus because go on is one of our big things as well but not just go on but retention yeah and so 75 percent of the students who got a scholarship have been on a college campus the following um, fall so that's pretty impressive for us and we're pretty excited that's better than idaho's own go on rate uh and so it's it's obviously showing that those scholarships are making a powerful difference. And what's really cool is the College of Southern Idaho is super close to becoming a Hispanic serving institution. And so you need to be a 25% Hispanic population to do that. And they're at 24.2 right now. And so they're really pushing um, the scholarship because they want to get to that point. And if you don't know about that, um, just means a lot more funding from the feds when you become a Hispanic serving institution. And you, um, you get a little bit more... Um, info on grants and all that so and they get more funding for housing and all kinds of stuff so it's that's why a lot of colleges want to become a hispanic serving institution okay what's the timeline of the idaho hispanic youth leadership summits are those something that'll be taking place this fall once school resumes yeah so we've already started getting registrations we send out a save the date in the spring to all the schools and then they start sending us their um, reservations for the spots Okay. What would be, for some of our listeners, if, if, if they have children at home and wanted to find out a little bit more about if this might be right for them, is there a website or can people follow you on Twitter or yeah, what would be the best way? Me on Twitter because I'm constantly on Twitter and I'm, I'm, most of my DMs, I do a lot of DMs on Twitter so they can just um, hit me up there and definitely um, send me out there. Um, my Twitter handle is at J-J-S-A-L-D-A-N-A. Okay, at JJ uh, Saldana and follow you on Twitter and exchange DMs yeah. and you can get a little bit more information. That's the Idaho Hispanic Youth Leadership right. Summits. So it's October 3rd in Twin Falls and October 23rd in Boise. Okay. And then next year, um, we're going to add a third one in um, Pocatello. We're working with Idaho State University over there. Yeah, is it just, is it so much interest? Is it the interest of the institutions? Or what's led you to be able to expand like this? Um, so when we were here at Boise State, the... Um, we were at capacity. I'm honestly surprised that they didn't kick us out because we were way past capacity. We were like, 
And so um, CSI had said, come over, we want to have it over here. And the president, um, President Fox over there, who's been amazing, he's just given us full reign of the campus. So we said, yeah. So um, last year we had a little bit over um, 700, about 740 students at Boise State, and then we had 600 at College of Southern Idaho, and we still had a waiting list. And so part of our thing has been going around meeting all the new presidents of the universities as well. And so when we met with President Satterley, he's like, I want this on our campus. And he wanted it this year, but we just didn't have the time to put one together because it takes a lot of planning to do those. Even though it's just a one-day summit, it's jam-packed because um, we do workshops on college prep on STEM. And then we have some others that the kids have requested, like how to work in the health field, how to work in law enforcement. And then this year we're adding a journalism track because we want, we had students who said, well, how do we become journalists? How do, and so we're working with the Idaho Press Club to make that happen. Very cool. I've been involved with the Idaho Press Club a little bit over the years, and uh, that's really cool to see that happening. Where did the idea come from with the Idaho Hispanic Youth Leadership Summit, or what were some of the, the goals or the driving forces behind you know, putting this together, gearing up, and expanding. Well, there's another summit called the Idaho Hispanic Youth Symposium that's really great. And they reach out to juniors and seniors. Ours reaches 7th through 12th graders. Okay. But theirs is great because they really get the cream of the crop students, students that are excelling. And so we thought we need to reach out to a lot of these students who are not necessarily cream of the crop, but they're low-hanging fruit. They still have a lot of opportunities, and people aren't reaching out to them. And so that's why we decided to reach out to these students. Okay. And once again, uh, give me your Twitter handle one more time so folks can uh, contact you on Twitter and get some more information that about this. J-J-S-A-L-D-A-N-A. Okay. All right. So people, if you're on social media, if you want to get in touch with JJ, find out a little bit more. You said this is 7th uh, to 12th graders, that yes. this is who you reach through the yeah. summits? And because of the scholarships, we tend to have a lot more seniors now because scholarships have only been happening for the last three years. Okay. And is it open to... Uh, who, who is it open to, or is there a deadline or anything? There is a deadline. You have to have be registered. Um, I think it's like by the end of September. You have to have all your um, everything in. We allow the, stu the schools to pick the students that they're going to bring. Um, we don't turn um, any student away. Okay. Uh, we've had people ask us, that, well, why are you only doing it for Hispanic students? But we accept all students to come to it. Okay. Very cool. Uh, congratulations on the uh, expansion. Thanks. It'll be exciting to see that at a new campus uh, next year. And I know you're spending a lot of time getting ready for that this summer. Uh, but very worthwhile events, and it's powerful to see uh, the scholarships that you're able to award and to see those students directly show up on campus right. uh, the following fall. That's a powerful testament uh, to what you're doing there. Yeah, I'm so thankful to the institutions. Their scholarships are all different, um, but they're great. It's just fantastic. And then, you know, we don't get a lot of students from up north, but we had a parent. She's come down three times because she's with three different students, and each time one of her kids has gone away with a scholarship. So now she has two kids at Boise State and one at College of Idaho. Very cool. That's so cool that she took the initiative to come down since Cortland couldn't send anybody. Yeah, that is that is really cool. Um, all right, we'll be watching for more information about that. Uh, when we get a little bit closer to the deadline, also let's you and I get together, maybe do an article for Idaho Ed News, letting people know about the summit uh, and how they can participate and all the relevant yeah, details there. Okay, very cool, very cool. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about a podcast that you've been involved with. Yes. We've had you on Extra Credit um, once or twice over the years. I remember we did a live show at our old office one time. Um, but you're part of one of the most exciting podcasts uh, to debut this year in our area. But tell me about the Latino Card Podcast. 
who all's involved with it, how it got started, and uh, some of the things that you guys talk about. Yeah, so Rebecca De Leon and I are the host. Um, we had our host that's, that is leaving this week. Um, her name is Nicole Foy. Um, but so Rebecca and I are going to continue with it. Um, it got started all because of a tweet, honestly. Um, we were tweeting about some issues, and Scott over at the Idaho Press is like, mm-hmm. why don't you guys you know, create your own show. And we're like, ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, I'm serious. And so we met, talked over French fries at Boise Fry Company, and it just was born. Um, a lot of it had to do with situations like what was going on in Middleton and other things that we like, you know, we need to have like our own Hispanic perspective on things. And we named it the Latino card because we're, the three of us were constantly being told, oh, you're pulling out the race card, you're pulling out. And so that's why we named it that. Um, it's been so much fun. We've interviewed some really great people. Um, the Astronaut uh, was yes. maybe my favorite show. And it was kind of cool because st- when he was here in Middleton, he said that he did have tortillas in space. And my co-host, Rebecca, is like, well, Pixar didn't happen. And he sent us a picture. So that was really cool to know that, one, an astronaut's actually listening to our podcast. And he sent us that picture. Um, this week, we interviewed Judge Gutierrez, who just retired. And so he was the first and only Hispanic judge in the state. So that was pretty powerful. Um, and then we kind of just talk about issues that are going on right now. Um, we've already talked about like the Middleton issue. We talked about um, how they don't have a Hispanic based on the Department of Ed um, after uh, Dr. Um, Nava was let go. So yep, we like, Dr. Christina Nava. Yeah. So we we talk, so we try to talk about just about everything that's going on with his with the Hispanic community in Idaho, and then I'm trying to meet as many people that we can because we're not the experts on our population. So that's why we have a lot of people already lined up to interview. One of the coolest things that I saw was when you guys were getting started talking about the Middleton issue, and that goes back to was it Halloween last year when a number of the teachers and staff members had worn costumes that depicted stereotypical depictions of Mexican and Latina um, uh, individuals. They had a border wall costume and, and, and just sort of playing on stereotypes there. And that was a big news story in the community. Um, but I think one thing that was really healthy was having having that told from sort of a Latino perspective uh, and being able to talk about that in that way rather than have... Um, the rest of the community try and say what's happening and what's going on. I, I liked it that you were able to, to talk yeah, about some of these that. issues. I was so bombarded with calls the following day. Um, I remember I was trying to listen to the podcast and I just could not get your podcast. And um, I was getting calls from national news from all over. Right. And a lot of the reporters were asking, so why is this racist? So that was kind of an eye-opener for me to be like, what do you mean, why is this racist? Did you not see the pictures? And so having to explain it over and then having some um, national reporters trying to convince me that it wasn't, and I was like, oh, no, it was. You have to look at these pictures and imagine how the parents felt, how the students feel. You know, do they, you know, we had parents calling us who were saying, you know, we have preschoolers right now. Should I not enroll them in this school knowing that this is happening? And so it was a, it was a huge deal for us. And we've continued to see fallout Overall, in Middleton, throughout the school year, there's been a shakeup uh, with the superintendent. There's some recall petitions uh, targeting board members, and that isn't all 100% directly related to the Halloween costume controversy. Um, but a divided community in Middleton, a lot of issues that they've been wrestling with uh, this year for sure, and, and so that's been a sensitive topic in the area and a sensitive topic for families because of. The demographics in Middleton. Um, there are a lot of young Hispanic and Latino people 
um, that attend school there and that live there. And I do have to give a shout out to the Middleton Library over there because what's all this happened? They reached out and they're like, what can we do that, you know, to, to kind of just do something good, to show some good in our community? So they actually did an event for Dia de los Niños, which is the Day of the Young Child. And they had just a festival with like, you know, face painting, all that. And they had the fire chief there teaching the kids how to make different kinds of salsa and stuff. So they were trying to do some good afterwards. Yeah. And you've been going with the Latino podcast, the Latino card podcast for a couple, three months now almost. Oh, yeah. We just taped our, I think, 11th episode. Okay. Where can people, obviously, it's put out with uh, a partnership with the Idaho Press newspaper. Where can people find the Latino card podcast? How can they? You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, the iTunes app. Um, so we're, we're everywhere that podcasts are found. And you also are on Twitter. Uh, right. Yep. Yeah, um, all of the hosts are very active on Twitter, so that's where we're, and we have the Latino card um, on Twitter too, so you can look us up there. And one of the cool things that you do is you're able to record in a professional studio. We're doing this here today in the Idaho Education News office, but you're able to uh, record at the Radio Boise offices, yeah. right? And they've been so kind to us. They've been really great. Um, so we're pretty excited um, to be there. Um, they just launched a new Spanish show over there too. And so we'll be interviewing that host um, here soon as well. But yeah, Radio Boise and the Idaho Press have been really great to us. They've been really just pretty good about letting us talk about whatever and not censoring us. That's been awesome. That's been awesome to hear. Again, it's called uh, the Latino Card Podcast. And you guys put out, you had two recent, but you guys put out pretty much every week a new episode, right? right? We record every two weeks, but we record two podcasts. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. You can check that out. And you can also listen to some of the uh, original uh, episodes if you want to go back through and kind of start from the beginning and find out uh, about the hosts and about where the podcast came from. And then, um, yeah, look for uh, new episodes continuing on with the Latino Card Podcast. One other, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about this week, JJ, I didn't have a chance to make it out, but you were at the uh, Indian Education Summit uh, last week here in downtown Boise. A couple important guests were out at that, but tell me a little bit about the event and, and what you saw at the uh, Indian Education Summit. Yeah, so the event had about 150 people there, which is one of their biggest ones to date yet. Um, they um, had workshops, they had um, panel discussions with Native American students who've been attending the different uh, higher ed institutions, and they talked about you know, their successes and their struggles on being on campus and separating from the reservations and to live on campus and all that stuff they've had. Um, they talked about mascots, the, um, you know, um, the controversies about having, you know, in, Indian mascots for different things. Um, it's been in the news in eastern Idaho lately. And then they talked about recruitment, retention, and graduation strategies. Um, the great thing was was to have Governor Brad Little there. I think it's the first time we, um, I've seen a governor attend one of these, and he, he had some great messages for the students. He specifically talked to the University of Idaho IKEEP students, and they are um, that's a group that's teaching um, Native American teachers on how to do things and um, be culturally appropriate with students. Um, Superintendent Sherry Ibarra was there, mm-hmm. and she um, pra- she was there. Pra- she praised Brad Little's education goals. Um, she praised Johanna Jones, who really was the heart and soul of the summit. She's the Indian Ed coordinator over at the Department of Ed, and she did most of the planning herself. So she did a really fantastic job. All right. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it shows something when you have the governor, uh, in addition to the superintendent of public instruction, both of those officials out there. And like you said, what, more than 100 uh, attended? And about 150 people plus, you know, they also had the trainers and 
the workshop presenters and all that. Okay. All righty. I think that was a lot of the topics that uh, I wanted to get to this week. JJ, did I leave anything out? Is, is there anything you wanted to talk about before we sign off today? No, I'm just so grateful that you asked to be on here. Like, I listen to you every Friday. <laughs> last thing I do before I go home for the week. So. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. I would urge our listeners to check out the Latino Card uh, podcast. If you want to uh, hear JJ's podcast a little bit more regularly, you can check that out. Also give JJ a follow on Twitter. Find out a little bit more about the Idaho Hispanic Youth Leadership Summits that will be coming up in the fall. But as always, thanks so much for listening to the Extra Credit Podcast. Have a lot of fun breaking down this complicated intersection education policy and education politics. I'll be back next week with another special guest on the Extra Credit Podcast. Take a little bit of time off for July 4th. And then Kevin and I, it seems like it's been forever, Kevin and I will be back together later this summer. Talk a little bit about the dynamic duo, exactly. Talk a little bit about his travels and his performances. He's over in Belgium and France right now, having a heck of a time. So we'll catch you up on Kevin's adventures a little bit later this summer. But thanks so much for listening. I'm Clark, and thanks to my guest, JJ Saldana.